the way that I explain pageantry and also kind of what I do now as a life coach is pageantry is a lot about presentation. So it's like the wrapping paper on the outside of a present. It's beautiful. It captures your attention, but if there's nothing actually in the present, like there's nothing in the box, if it's just completely empty, that beautiful wrapping paper is only going to get you so far. So what I focus on as a coach and for preparing for a pageant is what's inside the box. How confident are you? What are you actually offering to the community? What is your message? What do you have to say? You know, what do you want to do in your future? All of these things that are inside that nobody is actually physically seeing, but they can feel the energy that there's more to you than just this nice wrapping paper. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. This week, I have a very exciting guest. This is someone that I've gotten to know actually through COVID. COVID, we've been having a lot of virtual Zoom meetings online, and she is part of a public speaking club that I belong to as well. And I've gotten to know her, great conversations, and she has such a positive message to share. Today's guest is the former Miss Hawaii 2020, and she also went on to place in the top 10 in the Miss USA competition. We have great conversations in this episode. We talk about everything from health and fitness to self-confidence and developing self-worth and a lot of life skills that she practices to this day to just develop more self-awareness. And it doesn't matter if you're an athlete, if you're a working professional, if you're going to school, a lot of the things that we talk about here apply to all aspects of life. This is a great episode, a must-hear episode, just to take away some things that will really help you to improve and grow as a person. So without saying anything more, let's get to this episode and let's listen in on what Miss Hawaii 2020, Samantha Nealon, has to share with all of us. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement podcast. Today, I have a very special guest and I will allow her to introduce herself, but this is Samantha Nealon. She is the current Miss Hawaii in 2020. And she also went on to compete in the Miss USA competition and placed in the top 10. A lot of listeners may be thinking, how do I know Miss Hawaii? So I have to give a little backstory. With everything that I do, before I started all of this, I am deathly afraid of public speaking. So there's a club or an organization called Toastmasters International. And that's where you get to practice. You get to interact with other people who are trying to improve their public speaking skills. And that is how I met Samantha. So Samantha is the current president of our club. And I've gotten to know her through this year and through all of her experiences with everything that we do in our Toastmasters meeting. So that's the connection we made. And I was thinking it would be such a great story and an interview to ask her her journey and share all of the things that she's learned along the way, because a lot of it overlaps into health and fitness. So without saying any more, thank you so much for joining me, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that we actually got to do this with yes. all the crazy schedules going on. 
Yes, it is definitely your schedule is jam packed. My schedule is jam packed too. So it's hard to coordinate. But thank you so much for joining us. So to get started, I, I'll be completely honest. I don't really know much about competing in pageants. I haven't seen many pageants in my life, but this will be a good learning experience, not only for me, but for all of my listeners. So let's start first growing up because you moved to Hawaii when you were in high school. So why don't you start just briefly telling a little bit about your childhood and growing up and what kinds of things you enjoyed doing. I come from a military family. So I was actually born in Georgia. We moved around the South for a little bit. I had a little, little Southern accent. And then we moved to Spain, Japan, and then finally Hawaii. And we stayed in Hawaii. Um, but I, my family is super athletic. My mom was a division one college athlete. My dad was an army ranger and my brother was just good at every sport. And then there was me, no athletic ability. <laughs> my parents put me in every single sport. I've literally played everything because they just figured, well, she has to be good at one of them. I was not, I was just not very good. <laughs> and one day I was at Alamoana Mall with my parents and I saw these girls walk by. They were pageant girls. They had their little sashes and crowns and they looked so confident and so happy. And I just thought, well, that looks cool. I want to do that. And my athletic parents looked at me like, what in the world is that? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an interesting story. So when you grew up, what what kinds of sports did you did you end up trying? Oh, gosh, literally all of them. Uh, cheerleading was the only one I was kind of good at because there's no ball involved in cheerleading. So I always say I can't play any sport with a ball, which is most sports. <laughs> so I have tried tennis and volleyball, soccer. I was okay at, uh, basketball, baseball. I did lacrosse at one point, badminton. I had to do badminton and PE and I was failing because I couldn't get the birdie over the net and my dad for a full week took work off early to come teach me how to play badminton because he refused to have his child fail at PE. <laughs> oh that must have been I mean at times I can imagine it must have been frustrating and everything but out of all of the sports that you tried I mean, and it's good that, you know, your parents kind of encouraged you to try different sports because I think that teaches you a lot, regardless if you're progressing or if you're really good at it or not. But with all of the sports that you tried, which one did you find the most fun, if any? I think soccer. I actually played soccer for quite a while um, as a little kindergartner. And then I did play the first two years of high school. Uh, but I never, nobody ever kicked me the ball. I was just right wing. I ran up and down the field the entire game. And my dad would walk the field with me. And I was just always there in case somebody wanted to pass me the ball. They never did. When the ball would go out, I would throw it back in. And that was my contribution to the team. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Well, that's, that probably helped you. All of these sports that you have tried, it probably helped to promote some health and fitness. Before we get into all of that and competing and everything, so when you move to Hawaii and you end up staying here, and I, I got to say that you're a Moanla graduate as well, as I'm a Moanla graduate, so same high school, so we got to represent our alumni. But when you moved to Hawaii, was there anything that you 
came here and you were like, hey, I really like this about Hawaii or did you fall in love with the place before you competed in all of these pageants or what was that experience like? It was really interesting moving to Hawaii coming from Japan because it just felt so familiar because we do, we do have such a huge Japanese influence here. So it already was comfortable. It's absolutely beautiful. And it just was like, okay, well, this is our home. This is cool. We live in Hawaii now and we're going to be part of this community. It was great. I mean, I just loved it instantly. And I felt like we as a family, the first two months that we lived here, we actually were living in a hotel because our house uh, that the military gave us wasn't ready. So we just really bonded as a family because we're in this hotel room for two months. And that's just kind of how it works. So I really liked it because we had that opportunity to really just hang out. Got it. How long did you live in Japan before Hawaii? Four years. Wow. So can you speak fluently in Japanese? I cannot. (laughs) (laughs) Because we lived in Spain first, I was learning Spanish. And so I just kept learning Spanish. And I didn't, we didn't know that we were going to be there for four years. We originally were only going to be there for two. So I thought, well, I might as well continue the language I've already started. I probably won't be able to pick up another one in two years. And now at this point, if I knew I was going to be there for four years, I probably would have started. But yeah, too late. (laughs) (laughs) But that must have been a good experience too. Was there anything that you really loved about Japan since you lived there for a pretty good amount of time growing up? Japan is just the best place in the world. Everything is so amazing. I always talk about the little things in the culture that I love, like the airport. You know, when you have the conveyor belt at baggage claim when your suitcase is coming out. In Japan, they have this line around it that says, please stand behind the line. So that way everybody can see. And I just think it's so small, but so great because every time I'm in an airport now in America, I'm just thinking everyone would stand back and we would all be able to see (laughs) yes it's the little things that leave the biggest impression yes and being to japan myself japan is very detailed oriented every little thing is thought out i mean whether you're going out to eat or whether you're going to events everything is so meticulously planned that yes things like that the organization when you come back to america or even in hawaii it's like oh man what's going on this is so unorganized sometimes but yes i know yeah so this is interesting because all of these experiences with all of my guests that come on the podcast and people that i work with all of these experiences throughout your childhood growing up I think it really paves the road for you to succeed in the future. So when you got to Hawaii, you've had all of these different experiences from not only moving around in the U.S., but experiencing different cultures, foreign countries. And then now you came to Hawaii, where Hawaii is really, I think, truly like a melting pot. We have so many different ethnicities, uh, cultures, traditions. So now you're moving to Hawaii and you're coming to this brand new place. And when you first got here, was it kind of what you expected or was it a culture shock to you? I, it definitely wasn't a culture shock because it was, it felt very familiar. Uh, but I don't know. I, I remember our school in Japan ended really late in the summer. And then when I got here, school started August 1st. So I had maybe like a, a couple of weeks of summer. I just immediately jumped into the school. And so the school was the one thing for me that was different because my first high school only had 200 kids and then one of the way bigger. Yes. 
So I immediately was like, what is going on? There's too many people here. How does anybody know anybody? Just a little confused because also in my head, I had watched all this TV. So I had an idea of what an American high school was supposed to be like. Oh, and I was like, neat. No one's singing in hallways. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And in Hawaii, you know, it's not your typical high school campus, I think. Just because, you know, year round, we can be outside. So there's hardly any indoor buildings or hallways or anything. Everything's pretty open. And yeah, Moala High School, I mean, it's a public school, but it's pretty big. Usually between, I want to say, 450, 500 plus per graduating class. So it's a good size high school. And yeah, you're not going to know everybody. In fact, in my class, I I don't know most of people. You know, most people in my graduating class, you may know like a fourth of people, but it's so big that you can't get to know everybody. So now going fast forwarding a little bit. So in your high school years, this is when you started to draw some interest in competing in these pageants. Like you said, you went to Alamoana and you saw these pageant contestants walking through. And what was the first impression, I guess, that obviously you wanted to see what this was about? But as you started to learn more, how did that interest grow? I was in modeling classes at the time, actually. I had always wanted to be a model, just always thought it was interesting. I wanted to learn about it. So my parents had put me in modeling classes. And my biggest thing was I just wanted to be more confident. And I was getting a lot of that from the class, learning all these skills and just things to try. And when I saw those girls, they just looked so confident. And I wanted that. So that really was kind of what pushed me over the edge. And I, I went back to my modeling class and I remember talking to my teacher about it. She was like, yeah, you got to try it. And yeah, I just thought that is what I needed. Got it. And you keep bringing up, this is, this is something good to hear because I think everyone goes through this in whatever their activity or whatever their goals they're striving for, right? Is that lack of confidence oftentimes is one of our biggest obstacles that we need to overcome to start to improve and achieve more. So was there anything that made you feel like you weren't as confident as you could be when you were growing up? I think it kind of came in and out. The good thing is I always had a high self-worth. And I think distinguishing the difference between those is is important because your self-worth is like what you think you deserve, but then your confidence is how comfortable are you going to get what you deserve kind of thing? I mean, we moved so often. So I would always, when we got to a new place, kind of have that moment of, I don't know. And then I would be good. Mm-hmm. And when I got to Moanalua, the difference was it just was such a big school that I wasn't sure. I, I was uncomfortable at first. And I, I wasn't sure where my group of people were because it just was so big. So it took me a while to find that. And so it just took longer for me to be like, okay, I'm good. And that period of like not knowing just it being longer than normal, I think threw me off a little bit because I I just wasn't sure. I wasn't comfortable yet. I didn't know who I was because it it seemed like, oh, well, I don't have friends yet. So maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm not that cool. (laughs) That is definitely hard, especially when you're moving to a new place and, you said that you moved here when you were 15. So that was your sophomore year, I'm guessing. Junior, actually. Junior year. Yeah. 
Okay, so then you know it's later in high school too, and you know it's tough to make mm-hmm. any move at any time, but especially in that later years of high school. So now you found this, and before we go on, I I do have a question because this is just me not being exposed to this world, right? So for modeling classes, what is that experience like? Like what? How frequently do you meet? You know, what do you do or what do you work on in the classes? And what is all of that like? Just to give a better picture. It's really interesting. I actually went on to be a teacher for about five years, on and off. And most of the kids, you get some kids who come in wanting to be a model and wanting to learn how to walk or how to pose and that stuff. But ninety percent of the kids will come to the class because they want to be more confident. So we learn posture. We do learn a runway walk and and posing techniques. But we also learn etiquette and how to do an interview. How to talk about yourself comfortably, what a resume looks like. So we, it really, it's yes, a modeling class, but it really is kind of like an etiquette class and just gives these kids some general life skills that will make them stand up straighter and feel good about who they are. Got it. I think anybody would benefit from modeling classes. <laughs> just, just everything, life skills wise, posture, you know, holding yourself up confidently, and that's something too. Is that. Even for athletes, you know, it's kind of the sports psych- psychology side of things. But for athletes, you know, being in like power poses, you know, that's kind of what everyone has heard the past decade. But those kind of things do have a mental uh, benefit when you're preparing for some kind of event or whatever it is, pageant or preparing for the game. So these are things that I think, even in modeling classes, it's applicable to so many things that we're doing in life. So now you were going to these modeling classes, and you started to tell your teacher that I want to try to compete, and you did compete in Miss Teen USA, right? Or Miss Teen Hawaii first? I did. Yes. Yeah. So I was Miss Hawaii Teen USA. <laughs> Got it. So let's talk about that experience. So how did it transform from first mentioning it to your teacher, and what is the experience really like as you're competing or preparing for all of these competitions and pageants? When you first get into it, it's very confusing. So I actually did one pageant before I won Miss Hawaii Teen USA, and I mean, I just had never seen a pageant. I didn't know anything. I had watched Miss Congeniality with Sandra Bullock, and that was all I knew. <laughs> I thought, oh, it's exactly like this. That's actually most people's experience of pageantry, but it's not the most accurate. <laughs> so I competed in the Miss Teen Hawaii United States pageant and they all sound so similar it really is very confusing um and I was second runner-up I had no idea what was going on these girls showed up they had fake eyelashes and I was like what are fake eyelashes do I need those I don't understand so lost (laughs) so then a few months later my parents found the Miss Hawaii Teen USA pageant and they were like oh this is connected to Miss USA that's a bigger system I think this is something that's cool And I still just didn't know much about pageantry. So I was actually very reluctant when they brought it up because I thought, like, I don't know. I I was okay, but I wasn't that good. So I don't want to do it again. And they encouraged me and I signed up. And I remember we signed up and the next day there was already an event. So the way they do the pageant here in Hawaii, it's really like a three-month competition. Uh, Because they start very early with photos and rehearsals and all this stuff so 
we signed up, they emailed us immediately and said, great, you need to be here tomorrow at 9 a.m. And it just was a whole experience. But I was very fortunate because the directors at that time, uh, they have since switched, but the directors did a lot of lessons with the girls. So I really did learn so much through the process, just leading up to the competition. Got it. Why don't you give a little bit of background to, we were talking about this before we started recording, but what are all of the different main pageants that we see, I guess, on TV, right? The mainstream ones. What are the different pageants and how do they differ from each other? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> try to keep up. It's a li- it gets confusing, but Miss America is the oldest pageant system. And it originally actually started as a bikini competition. Um, but it has since evolved tremendously. Now it is, it's famous for being the scholarship pageant. It is the one where the girls compete in a talent. And now they, they actually don't do swimsuit or evening gown. They just do talent and on stage interview. And they talk about their platform, whatever it is they are doing in the community. So it's very, very different than it used to be. But the biggest difference is that's the one that will do a talent competition. And then Miss USA, which is the system I've always competed in, connects to Miss Universe. And they compete in swimsuit, evening gown, and interview. And the teens will, instead of swimsuit, they'll do active wear, just to keep it a little more teen appropriate. Got it. And you also did mention that one had a fitness competition that you had to do in the pageant, or you had to do push-ups on stage. What? Which one was yeah, that? Yeah, so the... The Miss America one, their teen pageant, I don't think they do it anymore, but they used to when they would compete in their active wear, the girls would come out and do push-ups on stage. That is crazy to think that they have all of these different, (laughs) I guess, different categories that you have to compete in. But I think for the general public, even for myself, I'm not too aware of what goes on in these pageants, right? But for you, being a contestant in both the Miss Teen and Miss Hawaii USA, what is kind of the the big message, I guess, that, or what does these pageants bring out of each of the contestants? Like, what is the main reason for competing in your eyes? So the tagline for Miss USA is confidently beautiful because what the organization is trying to accomplish is building these women up so that they are confident on the inside and the beauty is not just a physical outward appearance. It's something that radiates from inside. So to me, pageantry is all about, you know, polishing who you are as a person, defining what you want, what you give back to the community. And then you just get up on stage and showcase that and share it with the world. But it really is such a subjective experience because it's a panel of judges who have all these incredibly accomplished women in front of them and then they just pick one. <laughs> it's not like running a race where somebody's the fastest and that's just it. It's very subjective. So I always tell people, contestants specifically, you know, when you're competing, yeah, everybody wants to win, but really you just have to pick one thing for yourself that is in your control that you can win, whether it's more confidence, um, you know, you want to feel a certain way when you do your private interview, whatever it is, because you just have no control over the outcome. You have no idea what's going to happen, but I think there's so much to be gained from the process leading up to the pageant that you have to focus on and make sure that you are achieving whatever it is you want to achieve in that three month period or, or more. 
That's great to hear from you. I think, you know, for anybody going through this type of experience will definitely help you grow, help to bring out the best in you because you're trying to showcase your best effort, right? Throughout this, these competitions. So going back to that Miss Hawaii Teen USA, as you were competing, everything that you kind of mentioned, what did you learn about yourself in the Miss Hawaii Teen USA experience? And how did that drive your desire to continue competing even beyond high school? I really took a long break after the teen pageant. I felt like I got so much out of it. I really grew as a speaker, just my overall confidence improved. And I made so many connections and kind of started a career in entertainment. I, I felt like, oh, there's nothing I could possibly gain more from pageantry. I've done everything. And then five years went by and I thought, okay, I just, I could, I could use this. I could use the booth. The pageant kind of serves as a deadline for when you're going to accomplish certain goals. So signing up for a pageant then gives you that extra stuff. Okay, I've got to hustle and get this work done because I want it all to be finished by the pageant. And I think I just was in a place in my life where I felt like something was missing. Like I needed something extra to get me excited and to just get me motivated and that is what really brought me back. That's great to hear. So, you know, when you went through the Miss Hawaii USA or Miss Teen Hawaii USA, when you did that, what kinds of, after you won the crown, right? What does that entail being the crowned holder for that year? What types of community service? What, what do you have to do to, I guess, hold that title? There's really no written rules. But what most girls will do is pick a cause that they're very passionate about and then just try to volunteer or a lot of people will create their own program that is related to that cause and in their platform. When I was a teen, I just wanted to help everyone. I wanted to do everything. So anytime somebody showed me a community event or volunteer opportunity, I signed up immediately and was like, I'm coming. <laughs> Um, because I was in a military family, I did do a lot for the military community. That was my passion. And I, I spoke at some military events. I went and visited the teen centers on military bases. But I also, if there was any other opportunity somebody wanted me to go to, I was always there. That's awesome. I mean, a lot of community services involved, which I think a lot of the public doesn't see what happens behind the scenes or after the fact when you're reigning for that year. So do you think that all of your previous experiences being in the military, moving around, being exposed to different cultures, situations, do you think that has helped you to carry out all of these community service duties and everything else that you have on your plate? I think so, because when you are in the military well, in a military family, you have to be adaptable because you move so often, you're always in a new environment, in a new situation, and you either can let it stress you out and, and crumble you, or you just become adaptable and go with the flow every single time, which is what my parents taught me to do. So, I mean, being in the pageant community, there's all these different situations, and every time I just would show up and go, okay, well, I'm here, and what are we doing? Great and just kind of adapt to the situation that was presented to me. But I also was around so many different cultures and people of different backgrounds growing up that 
I feel like I have a good understanding and respect for all different cultures, which is so important as a title holder and especially here in Hawaii where we are that melting pot. Yes. I think the diverse experiences that you bring definitely has helped to not only help you to succeed, but offer a lot to the Hawaii community as well. So moving on after you did your reign, right? Your one year, it is a one year reign, right? Mm-hmm. Got it. And after you did that, you did mention briefly that you became a teacher at your modeling school. I'm guessing this is in between the time that you did your title reign and before you competed again in Miss USA. So what did that kind of help bring out of you being a teacher now to people that were in your position just a few years ago and now they see all the success and all of the great things that you've done? What was that experience like? paint it forward and being a teacher it was awesome I loved it somebody once told me we teach the things we need to learn the most and so when you're teaching something yes your students are absolutely getting something out of it but it's just becoming further ingrained in your brain and it's almost like forcing you to practice what you preach so being able to teach so many of these things and teach confidence and and teach these kids how to embrace themselves and be comfortable and confident in who they are. And that message was just being relayed in my head again and again and again. And it helped me grow throughout my time as a teacher. And I will say when I hear you speak and, you know, do all of these other things that you do have this confidence in you and it, it makes everyone want to listen and it keeps people engaged. And I also give you a lot of credit because For anybody, I think, regardless of your age, if you were doing all of these public speaking events and talking to groups and communities when you were in high school or soon after you graduated, that is most for everybody. That's one of the most terrifying things to speak in front of all of these groups. And if you were doing this very frequently, I think that has helped your confidence too, in a way, because you were put in these situations where, you know, you get to share your messages and you help to develop that confidence the more that you do them. Is there anything that you want to say about public speaking since that's how we kind of know each other, but was this always something natural for you? I always liked it. I remember taking, I think it was speech in high school where we just gave speeches and I I liked it I liked being up there and talking and having different things to say but I will agree I think starting young is a huge advantage because you're almost starting to conquer fear before you even know that it's a fear before you know there's a reason to be afraid because I think the fear of public speaking is actually more common than the fear of death So when people say they would rather die than give a public speech, they're not kidding. They really would rather die than give a public speech. So yeah, sometimes with kids, and that's the same thing, teaching confidence exercises to kids. They don't even, they're so young, they don't realize there's a reason to be afraid or to be shy or embarrassed. So you're helping them get over something before it's even developed. That's very interesting perspective. I never thought about it like that. But that is so true. When you start young and it's just something that you're comfortable with or something that you just see as like, oh, this is what I do, then yeah, you don't develop that fear. And then you actually, you know, can carry out whatever it is that you're doing without realizing like, oh yeah, that's a big deal. But I would agree because, I mean, that's one thing we hear commonly, right, is that public speaking is probably one of the greatest fears for the general population. And I can honestly say, like, 
two, three years ago, that was me. I was like, I'm never going to speak in front of anybody more than a handful of people, you know, but with all of these experiences, it's something that with practice, when you're put in these situations, you definitely overcome it. And eventually it becomes kind of like just a normal thing that you are put in the situation to do. So that's really interesting to hear kind of your story and how that confidence has helped you to overcome many of these things that I think a lot of us do fear. Now, when you were teaching, so eventually you got that bug again and thought that, okay, I'm going to compete. But also in this time, I do want to touch a little bit on, you were doing some modeling and even some acting, correct? Can yes. you explain a little bit more about the the acting roles that you got and how these opportunities were opened up from competing in these pageants? Yeah, so actually, when I was the team title holder, I connected with uh, this woman, Serena, and her husband, Hudson, who she was a former Miss Hawaii Teen USA. And now the two of them at the time were living in Los Angeles. They were in the industry. And Serena now actually is an agent here in Hawaii, and she's my agent here, which is so funny to see it come full circle. But they really helped me out a ton. And when I, after the team title, moved to LA for a few years, they hooked me up with my manager, my first agent. And I mean, it just, to me, was so incredible because making the connection with them and meeting them is something I never would have done had I not won the title. And they really launched my career. They showed me where to go to classes, where to live, how to learn this and, and how to get connected. And I mean, here we are eight years later and I've been able to have a successful career doing commercials, uh, a few TV episodes and a couple Lifetime movies that are, are so funny. Lifetime movies are hilarious because they're so cheesy, but they play all the time, which is great. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it really was the pageant that helped me start that because just making that one connection did so much for me. Did you have to move up to LA area to do some of these things or were you just going back and forth and primarily living in Hawaii? At that time, I fully moved over. And then like a year and a half ago, two years ago, I moved back to Hawaii and because fortunately, it really worked out for me. The industry kind of moved in this direction where all auditions were things you taped yourself at home and sent in. So I no longer had to physically be there to get these opportunities. I could be here at home and then just fly to go to work whenever something would come up. This is another interesting area too. Were there any, what was your most memorable role or job offer? And what was that like? Oh gosh, I've gotten to do some really fun things. I did an episode of Magnum PI, which was so fun and so cool to just be here in Hawaii filming because so much of the work that I do has been on the mainland. It was incredible to have such a fun job and it be here just down the street. Uh, but I also got to do some commercials that were pretty awesome. I, I shot something for Skechers where they had shoes that had prints of dogs all over them. So the whole commercial was just me playing with dogs. Yeah. And it was like the best day of my life. It was so fun because I didn't even feel like I was working. I just was playing with dogs and then people are filming it at the same time. Got it. Got it. Oh, those opportunities are, you know, it's kind of once in a lifetime, some of these opportunities just to get these roles and everything. So after that, you did move back home. And now we're going to fast forward into the, you're the current Miss 
Hawaii USA. That's the title, right? Yes. Well, I actually just last week crowned the 2021 Miss Hawaii USA. So officially the former (laughs) Miss Hawaii USA. Officially a former. (laughs) You did go on and you placed in the top 10 for Miss USA, right? Which is an amazing feat in itself. Let's talk through that experience, the competition, and also, well, let's first start with the competition experience. And what was that like for you since now you're experienced, right, in this field of pageantry? It was a very different experience because of COVID and having to have all these protocols in place, one, just for the event to even be possible, but also to keep everyone safe. So I was there for nine days. And during those nine days, I was tested five times for COVID. So they were very cautious. We had all these protocols in place, which I was honestly very happy about because, uh, I mean, I took COVID very seriously this entire year. So I just wanted to know that while I was there, I was being safe. I I wanted reassurance that my decision to go and compete was not an irresponsible one. So I was fortunate and, and very proud to see that they actually had taken all the steps necessary. But Normally, like when I went to Miss Teen USA, we all kind of interact. All the contestants have so much fun and we're hanging out the whole time. We couldn't do that this year because of COVID. We were put into pods and you had to be separated and six feet apart at all times. So I have a lot of photos where I'm taking a selfie and everybody is like socially distanced behind me. (laughs) But the actual competition was great. I think once we started rehearsals, it, it felt real because we're planning the choreography and the stage pattern and it just is so exciting because it's something I've wanted to do since I was the teen I remember watching Miss USA thinking wow I want to I want to do that it was just crazy to think like we're here and we're really doing this and it happened it's happening and I'm glad that I think it got postponed right because I think you were supposed to go earlier, but it did get postponed a little bit. But I'm glad that they got to carry it out and do it in a safe way. So the process or the timeline of this, when were you crowned Miss Hawaii USA? I was crowned Miss Hawaii USA in November of 2019. Got it. And then Miss USA typically would have been in May, but it was pushed back to November. So it was almost a full year of being Miss Hawaii USA before I got to compete at Miss USA. Got it. So you were crowned Miss Hawaii USA before all of this hit. And that you've mentioned to me was a huge obstacle, right? Because you usually have your whole year of doing all of these community service events, you know, whatever it is that you're sharing your message throughout the entire year. So once COVID hit, What was that like for you? And how did you have to overcome the obstacles of quarantine, restrictions? It was, I mean, so difficult and and so sad because I remember at first thinking, I lived in Japan when the swine flu broke out. So when COVID first happened to me, I was thinking it was just like the swine flu. I was thinking, okay, it's going to wipe out a lot of us. We're going to be really sick for a while, but everybody's going to be fine and we'll get past it. That did not happen. <laughs> it did not happen at all. Yes. But it actually worked out really well for me because typically as the title holder, yes, you do a ton of community service, but you also do parades and go to fancy dinners and you do a lot of events where you're really there to just 
smile and take pictures. And those can be fun for a while, but it's never my favorite because it's the community service events that actually make an impact and you, you know, could make a lasting impression or, or memory on somebody else's life. But just going to an event where you take a picture, it doesn't do anything. It's not going to change the community. It's not going to do anything that matters. So I wasn't sad to give those up. I was, I was happy that I now, I mean, had to figure out this new virtual world, but but I now had all this time to do the things I really wanted to do. Were there any things that you did this past year or a little over a year now that you were really passionate about and happy that you got the opportunity to do? Yeah. So I, because of everything that happened uh, with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, I wanted to do something that spoke to that community and that cause. And I, realized that Hawaii was one of only four states that had yet to recognize June 19th as a state holiday, which is the day that officially commemorates the end of slavery. So I started working to get that recognized. And through that process, which is not finished yet, fortunately, I I still have um, the end of that process to see through. And I'm excited about that. But just during that process of, of figuring that out, I met with my city council member and we got connected over Zoom and we hit it off really well. And he invited me to be part of some of the other projects he was doing. Mm-hmm. So I just got so involved in the community through that, again, one connection. And it was awesome. And it was something that I was like, wow, you know, had we been in person, had this crazy year not happened, I wouldn't have met him. I wouldn't have said yes to all these other opportunities and been able to be part of something that mattered and something that was bigger than just me. I mean, no, I don't want 2020 to repeat itself, but I feel like I did a good job of making it work for me. And I think for all of us, you know, we definitely would not want to go through this experience again, 2020 again, but everyone has had to learn how to grow and adapt despite the circumstances. And it's funny how everything kind of sets you up for something that's, you know, great that you're going to pursue in the future. So that's what it sounds like it did for you. And, you know, getting all of these connections and still making sure that you can fight for the causes that you want. That's, that's really great to hear. So now after that, you competed and everything. What is the big, big things that you've learned this time around? And now since your reign is over and you're passing on the torch to the next Miss Hawaii USA, what are some of the words of wisdom, I guess, that you can share through these experiences? I, with all the pageants I've competed in, anytime I I felt like I needed to win or I I wanted to win so badly, I didn't win. It was all the times where I was focused on winning something for myself, on, on the growth that I could achieve through the pageant. Those are the times that I won. So going into Miss USA, I wanted to win. But I also, knowing that, was trying to think, okay, well, let's focus on what I can personally gain out of this. And I was trying to find that balance between wanting to give it everything to, like, give my chance, give myself a fair chance of winning, but also, you know, wanting to be smart about my approach. And I just remember thinking, if I don't win, will I be okay? Will I be upset? Because all those other times where I was so focused on winning and I didn't, I was so sad afterwards and and felt, you know, devastated or defeated. And I didn't want to do that to myself this time. I wanted to 
be happy regardless of the outcome because I would be able to reflect on my growth and be proud of that. And so this time at Miss USA, they called the top 16, the top 10, and then the top five. So when they called the top 16, they, there was one spot left and I hadn't been called yet. And I just remember thinking, okay, this could be me or it could not. <laughs> and they called me and it was great. And we competed in swimsuit and then they called us into 10 and we competed in gown. And when they called the top 10, I was number three. But when they called the top five, again, there was one spot left and I was thinking, oh, it's me, it's me. And it wasn't me, it was Alabama. And I stood there and thought, oh, okay. And I walked off stage and I smiled and I had a great time. And I just was so happy at that moment because I felt like that was a test of my strength and my resilience. And I passed. <laughs> I was not at all sad. I was not defeated. I was so happy. I was like, yeah, I just did that. That was awesome. That's a great message to share. And on that note too, why it's so interesting. I mean, I always have a great time talking to you, you know, at our meetings and everything, but why it's so interesting is because it doesn't matter almost what the experience or what the vehicle that you're doing, what goals you have to achieve. But the bottom line is that we all need to take care of our health. And I think like just mental and emotional health is a huge part of that. And it sounds like that growth through this experience was huge for you. So can you tie in a little bit of Yes, you're competing in pageants and, you know, it is a lot on appearance, but it's so much more than that as to what you alluded to earlier. What kinds of things have you done or found success with to take care of your well-being and your overall health? What have you learned about that through the years? So much. I've learned so much. Personal growth is like my favorite thing to learn about. And I was very fortunate this year because I actually started taking my course to become a certified life coach. So I was learning so much about growth and self-awareness leading up to the pageant. The way that I explain pageantry and also kind of what I do now as a life coach is pageantry is a lot about presentation. So it's mm -hmm. like the wrapping paper on the outside of a present. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It captures your attention. But if there's nothing actually in the present, like there's nothing in the box, if it's just completely empty, that's beautiful wrapping paper is only going to get you so far. So what I focus on as a coach and for preparing for a pageant is what's inside the box. How confident are you? What are you actually offering to the community? What is your message? What do you have to say? You know, what do you want to do in your future? All of these things that are inside that nobody is actually physically seeing, but they can feel the energy that there's more to you than just this nice wrapping paper. I mean, that's great to hear that you're pursuing this life coaching and everything. And that's exactly what it is. And I think that's why it's so good to have these conversations is because I'm a true believer in that everything that's integrated into your lifestyle, that really all will either work together really well, or it will start to make things really hard and you'll start to fall apart a little bit. But if you think back on all of your experiences, right, even like to the fact that you were, your parents were putting in, you into all of these different sports that you really, really didn't enjoy too much. I mean, that helped to 
probably develop some of the physical fitness and the demands of what you do today, but also growing and moving in all of these different areas throughout your childhood that has helped to focus on developing more confidence, right? And doing all of these other things. And then you eventually, you know, taught the students at the, at the modeling school and those kind of instilled more of the same things that you were trying to pursue yourself. And then going through this experience, it's kind of like full circle. Now you're really starting to learn more about yourself, grow, and then you're becoming a life coach to try to pay that forward and help other people that go through similar struggles. Because I think we all go through these similar struggles, whether you're competing in pageants or if you're a professional athlete or if you're just a high school athlete trying to make the team sometimes. It's all similar things that we go through in various phases of our, our lives. And I think that's the great thing about me getting to talk to all of you guests because it's sharing some of the common themes that will help to make us achieve more and just personal growth, right? Help us to be the best person that we can be at the end of the day. So all of these experiences, I mean, it's so great to hear. And let's talk a little bit more about what your future plans are now. So you, you kind of said that even from dating back to when you're competing, you just want to do everything, right? You want to get your, dip your toe in everything that you, you are passionate about, which I think is great because there's so many things that you're able to share with so many different groups. But let's talk a little bit about what's your future plans like, at least in the near future. Are you ever going to compete again? I don't even know if that's something that you can do, but what what does that entail? I I could technically compete again in other systems there there really are so many other pageants I mean I don't know all of them because I just didn't grow up watching them all but there's so many there's the Miss World system Miss Earth Miss International there's a ton I personally am finished (laughs) I feel like I've had a great run in pageantry and I'm finished yes I've even had they have also Mrs. Pageant so when you get married and and I've had people jokingly ask me if one day I'm going to do a Mrs. Pageant and I really am no I'm finished I've gotten so much (laughs) I'm done yes (laughs) because it's also exhausting and pageantry is a wonderful experience but if you just do it year after year after year it is a lot to put in every single time if you do it if you do it right and you yeah it's too much so i'm finished (laughs) got it but i'm very thankful for those experiences and moving forward my ultimate like five-year ten-year goal is i would love to be working as a public speaker be sharing some of the lessons i've learned as a life coach giving motivational speeches, workshops to big groups and all that stuff. So I'm kind of right now dipping my toe in and getting more comfortable. So for January, I'm doing a workshop series over Zoom. And because I just, I really like the group setting and I, maybe it's Toastmasters. I, I like having a little bit of a crowd or just multiple people to work with at the same time. Um, so feeling that out and then I'm trying to get more public speaking opportunities outside of Toastmasters so I can just be really comfortable uh, with people I don't know and, and find that new chapter. That's great. I mean, you'll be, you'll be great when you're doing all of these public speaking engagements and it's always fun to listen to the message that you want to share because you can tell through your experiences, you've really taken a lot of 
a lot away from these experiences and it has helped you grow and you want to share that. So that's awesome to hear that that's some of the goals in the future. What about for acting and modeling and all of that? Are, is that something that you're still planning to pursue? Yeah, I really love doing it. I, I like acting more than modeling. Modeling is, it can be fun, um, but mostly it's a wonderful paycheck and I will absolutely accept it. But acting is what I get really excited about. So I'm just going to continue, continue auditioning and, and doing what I've been doing. I, it's crazy to think like, oh yeah, I am a working actress. This is how I, I pay my bills right now. And I love being able to say that. So I just, yeah, my career is kind of like encompasses way too many things, but I love it because every single day is different and I get to pick and choose what I want to be a part of. And I just have so much fun because it's always interesting. It's always a surprise. And for the acting, we didn't touch on this too much, but how did that even start? I guess, did you take theater or drama or anything like that? Or did you just start and then the rest is history? I kind of, I always grew up taking acting classes. I just always thought it was fun. I was in community theater and drama at school. Uh, but it was when I moved to LA briefly. Oh, I guess I took some acting classes here in Hawaii when I was in high school. But I, when I moved to LA, somebody one day told me, you're an actor. I said, okay. <laughs> and I just kind of went with it. I was 18, so impressionable and just was like, okay, yeah, I'm an actor. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm glad it's such an easy transition for you. But, but that's sometimes how you know that it's something that maybe that's your calling or that's what you're meant to do. Is there a certain kind of acting role that you would be your dream, dream role or genre or what kinds of things do you want to pursue with acting? I love like the CW, over dramatic shows even some of these soap operas sometimes because I in my personal life am so drama free I just have there's nothing dramatic going on um so I love watching these drama shows because they're so ridiculous and it's so funny everything is like the stakes are so high at all times <laughs> but it's good that your real life is relatively drama free you know we all always want oh, that yeah. <laughs> so I have to ask what are some of your favorite shows to watch like just as a as someone just being a fan of that show and would you ever want to get on that favorite show of yours oh goodness I right now I'm actually watching uh, Spanish TV because I spoke Spanish when I was a kid and I'm just trying to get back into it and remember more and they're the same thing so dramatic I, I love it um, but I, my favorite show is actually 911 okay. with, uh, Angela Bassett is one of the main characters and I just love her. I think she's so great, but it's just a show about these firefighters and a police officer and 911 phone calls, but it's so entertaining. And yeah, I love it. A show like that is great because every single episode they're answering a new 911 phone call. Yes. So they have a lot of characters coming in every single time. So those are really good shows when you are still kind of at the beginning of your acting career because they just meet a lot of people. <laughs> yes, definitely. And maybe one day we'll see you on 911 and you can say that, you know, it's, it's something that you aspired to do from long ago. But that's so interesting to hear about the <laughs> acting career. And the last thing, I know you're busy too, you know, you're 
doing a lot of things in the community. But the last thing that I want to tie it back into is right now, right? It's been a hectic, stressful year. Obviously, you have a lot on your plate, but you still have to maintain your health, right? What are some of the big tips, if you have any, that help you specifically? And I usually talk to a lot of my athletes and clients. Everyone's so different. So that's the one thing that I want to emphasize here is that there's not one way to be physically healthy or mentally healthy. You know, everyone has their own ways to just promote health and try to lead a healthy and happy lifestyle. So thinking about all of these experiences, everything that you've learned in the past, what are some of the things that work for you when it comes to staying healthy through these times? I agree. I think healthy looks different for everyone. But for me, because my schedule is so busy, I have to write it down. I have to track it because if I don't write it in my schedule, I won't do it. And that goes for working out. Sometimes that goes for eating lunch. There's been a way, one too many days where I forget to write down like what time, when is my lunch break? And then I'll, I'll skip it and it'll get to 4 p.m. and realize like, oh my gosh, I forgot. So I have to write it down. I write down absolutely everything. Um, so for physical health, yes, it's, it's the working out and remembering to eat all my meals. <laughs> and then mental health, I just try to meditate every morning and every night. Mm-hmm. And I'll also journal sometimes in the morning to just get thoughts out and, and making sure I'm starting my day from a place where I'm in control and I'm controlling that mindset. But really for the overall theme for me is it has to be written down because if I forget to write it down, I won't do it. And I'll notice how I feel different and not as good if I'm forgetting to do these, these small things. I like how you have kind of that in a good way, right? That structure or that system to really make sure that, you know, you do all of the things to take care of yourself so that you can do all of the things that you really want to do in the day. And the meditation aspect, that's huge too. A lot of the people that I work with, you know, it's taking care of that mental aspect. And for the meditation, just curious and picking your brain a little bit, how do you do the meditation? Is it something that it's a guided thing, like an app, or is it, you know, something that you've been practicing for a while, so you just do it on your own? But what what can you share about that? I'm 100% 100% guided meditation. My attention span is just not there. It has to be. <laughs> I, I like the Headspace app. And I know this year they actually gave out free year memberships to people who lost their job or were unemployed because of COVID. So that was really generous of them. Um, but also Spotify has some great meditations. They have podcasts, playlists. My favorite one is a podcast called Mindful in Minutes. And she has a ton of different meditations on there. Some are 10 minutes, some are 20, some there's even a few that are an hour. And sometimes I'll just scroll through and I'll pick, but I, I've even made a playlist of my favorite 10 episodes of hers. And I, I just listen to the same ones over and over, and over again. Thanks for sharing that. I will definitely put in the show notes, but I'm, I'm one, I love the Headspace app too. And yes, I like what they've done in the community through COVID. They also had a, I think a promotion or something earlier in the year when the first shutdown happened that they were giving huge discounts to healthcare professionals. So, you know, like I like what they're doing and I do agree a lot of people that I work with actually like Headspace. So that's another thing. I did not know about the Spotify, so I will definitely put that in the show notes and, you know, check it out too. But these are all great tips. I think even 
with what you're doing, you know, your busy schedule and everything, taking that time to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. That is a huge aspect. And everyone can get something out of this episode by listening to some of the things that work specifically for you. And I mean, who knows, maybe you'll have your dad or something making you play badminton or something to, to promote some physical health during quarantine. But um, we'll save that for another episode. Maybe you can film a video and then we can uh, watch some of the badminton skills that you have. Oh gosh, it's so bad. They're so bad. I mean, my parents laughing at me trying to play even pickleball is just so sad. <laughs> I just don't have it. Maybe the main so. thing <laughs> is that you have fun and you enjoy doing it and it doesn't become too frustrating, <laughs> but it's, it's so glad to hear your story and, you know, hear all of the success that successes that you've gained throughout the years. Now, the last thing is, is there any last message? And I know you have your website more for your professional career, but I think it has some interesting information as to some of the things that you're working on in the community and all of that. But is there anything that you want to share? How can people find more information about you? Why don't you share all of that? And I'll put it in the show notes as well. Yeah, my website is samanthanealan.com. I'm at samanthanealan on pretty much everything, Instagram, Facebook. I have a Twitter. I don't use it at all. So I mean, you can look at it, but there's really nothing there. I think I have three tweets maybe. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I just think it's really important to one, have that self-awareness about yourself so that you can always continue to grow and be happy and be healthy. But also when you develop that self-awareness, then you realize what you care about and it makes going out into the community and doing something so much easier and, and way more fun because you know what matters to you and what you care to give to other people. That's a great message. And for the life coaching, you know, if any listeners in the future too might want to contact you, how can they reach you? How can they find more information about the life coaching or even workshops that you're putting on either virtually or in the community in the future? How can people go about finding that information and connecting with you? Uh, I have a lot of this information on my website, samanthaneelan.com, but they can also email me. Uh, My email is Sam at samanthanealan.com. And I, I love doing workshops. And I even I think on my website have a link where if people want me to do a workshop or just come talk to like the people and their company or them and their group of friends, I love doing that because life coaching is something that I think a lot of people are not aware of or don't understand what it actually is. And essentially, I tell people recognize what they want for their life. And then we work together to overcome whatever mental or emotional roadblocks are in their way. So it's all about you and your future and what you need in order to get there. Yes. And I will tell anybody in the future, you know, reach out to you because all of the conversations that we have, you can really tell that you're there to put the person first and really help them along their journey. And that's what you want in any coach, right? But especially a life coach, right? And I think, You'll be great at it. You're going to do a lot of workshops. I will try to make one of your workshops when everything opens up and you have live workshops again. But overall, I mean, great message. It was so interesting and so great to hear your story all throughout the years, competing and everything that you're looking forward to in the future. So I know that you'll be very successful and it was great to sit down and talk to you. Any last words before we log off? I think that's it. 
I, I mean, yeah, I've had such a great time talking with you. This is so fun. I always love getting to just hang out virtually and, and talk about whatever. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I will be sure to put everything in the show notes. There's some great information and resources that you've shared. And again, check out everything that you have to offer on your website. And thank you again for joining me. Thanks for having me.